Welcome to Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. My name is Huai Chen Bui. I'm a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture pop culture journalist in New York. And I'm joined by my two co-hosts. I am Anya Crittenden, a writer and editor in Los Angeles. Almost and I'm missing Will my be- cue. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the DC area. So, guys, it's Oscar season. It's the awards. People are winning. People are losing. People haven't even been nominated. We're going to be talking about the Academy Awards that come up uh, in, like, less than a month from now. They were just announced earlier this week. Uh, We have opinions, I believe. I think so. Yeah. And so what we're pretty much going to do is talk about the major categories, um, what, you know, who were happy for got nominations, who were not happy for got nominations, and who didn't get nominations at all, and why they should have been nominated for Best Actor or Actress or Director or Best Picture. Just all a lot of them. They're, this this Oscars has been has been particularly contentious because I feel like there is no clear front runner. So I think you could say it's contentious a, every year, but um... I was gonna say I feel like it's contentious every year. <laughs> it is, it is. But maybe in hindsight it's easier to look at be like oh of course shape of water was always going to win but um or maybe not that's that's an outlier but like i feel like this year there's like eight actors who could get best actor there's so many female directors i think the actor category unfortunately is tied up now yeah um, i think it's done uh, and i'm upset about it we'll talk about that yeah so why don't we do okay how do we how do we want to uh, approach this? Which one, well, what do we want to talk about first? Do we so want to talk gonna, about general? We're going to go category by category of the major categories. I will read off nominees for each category as we discuss it. Um, and then we will do a little brief discussion on that category, what we're happy about getting nominated, what we think should have gotten nominated, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think I'm going to just start with the big one. Just I'm going to do best picture first. Yeah. Okay. Um, so best picture um, which, if people remember, can now have 10 nominations. This year they nominated one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine Best Picture winners. So they left the uh, 10th slot, or nominees, they left the 10th slot blank, uh, which they've done pretty frequently. Yeah, they all we have to go with nine. We haven't had a ten picture year since like very since like the second year that they I think started that was doing the it. year that Mad Max Fury Road was nominated for Best Picture, wasn't that? That was a ten. Was it? No, no, it wasn't. No, no, no. Because fun fact um, about the ten Best Pictures is that the only years that there have been the full ten nominees are the years when an animated film has cracked into the Best Picture race. Mm-hmm. Is that so, 2009 and 2010? So, yeah, so it was um, it was Toy Story 3 and Up. Yeah. That makes so, sense. because Beauty and the Beast was the only one. I have a lot of feelings about animated films at the Oscars, so I, like, know all this fun facts about them. But, like, Beauty and the Beast was the only ever animated film to get into the Best Picture race when it was only five. Once it reached ten, only two years has it ever had the full ten, and that was the year's... That Toy Story 3 and up were each nominated for Best Picture. Every other year, they have not filled the full 10. Fun fact, after Beauty and the Beast got nominated for Best Picture, the year after, they created the Best Animated Picture, Best Animated yep. Film category it's because such, there was like a panic. They're like, oh no, how like, dare they? We can't they? anymore. <laughs> it's such bullshit. We'll, we'll get to animation because I want to talk about that because it's one of the most 
category that I'm the most frustrated about. But anyway, so nine pictures up for best picture this year. Um, and the pictures are Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which received an overall 10 nominations. The Irishman, which also received 10 nominations overall. Parasite, which received six. 1917, which received 10. Marriage Story, which received a total of six. Jojo Rabbit, which also received six total nominations. Joker, which leads the pack with 11 total nominations. Little Women, which came away with six nominations. And Ford versus Ferrari, which came away with four total nominations. Why is that movie nominated for Best Picture? You know, I actually heard good things about Ford versus Ferrari. I did too. I I haven't seen it yet. It made no splash, so like... Why? I heard it was. I, heard it good. I think I the biggest it. surprise here, but also the not not the not the biggest surprise is 1917 because that was a film that came in really late to the conversation. But at the same time, it's a war movie. It's directed by a British director. It's got a cast ensemble cast of very British actors, and um, that's just like the things that the Oscars eat up. And it became a surprising frontrunner, after, especially after. Um, the Golden Globes, uh, it won Best Drama Film. It's winning entirely for its marketing campaign because yeah. now it's just being pushed really heavily. Let me ask you something about 1917. Have you guys both seen it? I haven't no. seen it yet. I'm sorry. You haven't seen it, Willoughby? No, it came out January 10th, and I haven't had a chance to watch okay. it. So I haven't either. And here's my problem with this film and why it's getting all these accolades. Um, speaking as someone who hasn't seen it, but have who have spoken to friends who I trust who have seen it, um, and who have all said it is a dazzling film. Like seeing it on the big screen, yes, like it is a, a triumph of visual effects and of of technology and of the practical movie making techniques. They have also said that as far as movies go, there is nothing new in this film that they have not seen from a war movie before. Um, I think we've talked a little bit about it. I have no interest in it um, other than the whole like one take thing. Like that sounds fun, but I'm also still like, okay, cool. Like another movie about, or maybe about white men, even though people of color, queer people, women have always participated in wars too. Like where are my movies about them? But I'm confused why, I guess not confused because I know the way Hollywood and the Academy works, but like I'm frustrated with the fact that it is the current sort of front runner because from what I've heard, it's a visual feat and nothing more. It's nothing in terms of story or character, nothing very inventive or phenomenal. And I'm confused because if it's best picture, that should mean the whole movie, the whole package. And if it's just the visual movie, then sure, let it win all the visual effects category. But you're telling me that Parasite, a movie that has a phenomenal script, directing, acting, themes like everything that has checks off all these boxes that 1917 doesn't doesn't deserve best picture are you kidding me although you did forget one thing Anya it has what? the god Roger Deakins as cinematographer but again visual effects let it win cinematography because yeah I think this is very much another... Deakins film it also it, it also has Colin Firth who has never been in a best picture nominee that hasn't won is that so yeah, I wrote a tweet that, and people were like, oh shit, it's right. Huh. Wait, hold on, hold on. The King's Speech. The King's Speech one, yeah. yeah. And uh, what else has he been in? Hold on. Colin. Wait, this is now very interesting. I'm like, is Colin first like a weird lucky charm? Is every director going to try and get to him in their like Oscar baity movies? Is Next he now up, like. Kingsman 3. <laughs> Best Listen, picture. I'm... God. 
Okay, but no, I'm excited for the King's Man, the prequel with Ray Fiennes. Of course you are. Hello. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. And Starring, by the way, up, the guy from 1917. I was just going to say, the lead of the King's Man, other than Ray Fiennes, is the kid from 1917. Yeah. Who also played Hamlet in Ophelia last year, and he was a really lovely Hamlet. Um, I have nothing against this kid. I'm just saying I'm tired of war men about white war movies about white men. I do want to say, I feel like ever since... Uh, Moonlight won Best Picture and you know there is all of that uh, controversy over Oscars so white and how the Academy was trying to um, show themselves to be more progressive and to be choosing uh, films that are like diverse and have actual messages about like topical um, subjects they have kind of swung in the opposite direction back back yeah. to the safety it's you know what it is it's Trump I'm. I agree. I'm still gonna argue that Shape of Water uh, is falls more in the Moonlight category than yeah. the Safe category. Like, only Shape because... of Water came like right after Moonlight, and I was so I think like those two can go together, and like after yeah, that okay. they swung back. I just wanted so to with, make like, sure Green Book, always... and then this year with uh, 1917 being yeah, the front I always runner. just have to jump to the defense of Shape of Water because yes. people still malign its Best Picture win, and I will defend it to my dying days. No, I love Shape um, of Water, so I'm one of its, it's avid defenders Good. as well. Oh, I know you are. You're a GDT fan, but like. I'm also annoyed because I feel like the voters will give Parasite best foreign language film and they'll be like, okay, well then that's fine. It already got an Oscar. It doesn't need to win best picture. So even if it is the best picture, they're like, it shouldn't win both. And I feel that way about animated films too. Like Mm -hmm. they have their own category right now, so they don't need best picture. Yep. Yep. And that's why that I feel like that's the main reason Parasite won't win is because people will give it a vote for best foreign language film and feel like they've done their due diligence to a, a like a woker more diverse film mm-hmm. and therefore won't have to vote for it for They're best like, picture we rewarded green book last year we solved racism so <laughs> we don't need to do any more diversity for the next couple of years yay yay but um, um yeah that's what happened last year with roma because it, it got a split ticket because of the um it was both both nominated for best picture and best foreign language film and people basically rewarded it the academy were awarded it best uh foreign language and it did right. not get best right. picture and but the same I, thing happened with Toy Story and Up, the years they were up for Best Picture, they each won Best Animated Film, didn't win Best Picture, and it's like, cool. So you think because animated films have their own category that that can't mean that that mean they can't be the best overall picture too? Mm-hmm. And I just it frustrates me like these categories. I I think it's important to have these other categories, but they also can, in other ways, feel like pity votes or like they just yeah. It's I do want to say though, last night, uh, Parasite got the uh, a little nudged a little ahead because it, it won the top award at the SAG Awards, uh, Best Ensemble, which was the first time a foreign language film ever won that award in the history of the SAG. Which I'm very glad. Although, arguably, again, I will say, consistent with the acting categories, 1917, like it's not being praised for its acting the way Parasite is. So I hope, I'm not I hope sure that's actually a push for Best Picture, unfortunately. I hope because I think. I I, I want to say most of the Academy are actors. Yeah, they're the largest that... body in the Academy. They so are. Maybe, so maybe because they all, you know, gave Parasite Best Ensemble, which is basically the SAG version of Best Picture, that they're sort of maybe? leaning towards that way. I mean, um, I have to have I, Okay, Colin Firth. Colin Firth. He was in The English Patient, and that won in 1996. 
and he was in Shakespeare in Love. In he was in Shakespeare in Love. Oh my he god, I forgot. Duke. He yeah. was the and he was, guy. He was, he was the titular king in the king's speech. And now he appears in 1917. So he has a track record of three movies that he starred in. And I, I looked up Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy because I remember that being in the awards contention. And it was not nominated for Best Picture, even though oh. Gary Oldman didn't get a nomination. And like it, it once it it was nominated for a couple other like score and whatnot, but so Colin Firth not has never picture. been in a Best Picture nominated film that hasn't, that hasn't won. won. Correct. So he has every three time he's now. appeared in a movie that has been up for Best Picture, that movie has won. Yep, that's crazy. And 1917 is also for that because that's he bananas. That is yeah, crazy, right? Colin Firth, the god, apparently. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, I do want to talk about that um, 10th slot in the Best Picture nominees because we talked before about how there hasn't been um, a full 10 nominees un- except when there's an animated film. Um, but I think that, you know, this year for anime films, there's actually one, there's none that I would put up to be in the Best Picture no, slot. I, neither would I, but there are other movies But there are other general. films, exactly. I want mm-hmm. to talk specifically about the shutting out entirely of The Farewell. One of the most powerful and sensitive films about grief and really candid and funny uh, featuring a really dynamite performance from Aquafina, who won the Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Comedy or Musical and did not even get a nomination this year for um, in the Oscars for Best Actress. And um, I really think that the farewell, it's really upsetting to me that the farewell didn't get any nominations, let alone Best Picture. Like, I was gunning, I was thinking that at least Lulu Wong would get a Best Screenplay nomination, Aquafina would get a Best Actress nomination, but neither, they are in neither of those categories. And I think that is a glaring absence that is uh, is really upsetting. Agreed. Are there Um, any films that you guys think should have made that 10th slot? You don't have to do just I one. Do. You, can, you can name several if you want. I've got one that I've been gunning for. Uh, it's Knives Out. Ryan yes. Johnson's Knives Out, a whodunit by Ryan Johnson. Uh, it's a, a one of the best films of the year. Um, it, it The screenplay is tight. Shout out to Ryan Johnson for getting a screenplay nomination. It is his first nomination in the Academy Awards, so that's very cool. Um, but it's also like, it's a... It's, like super well directed the cast is phenomenal like everything about the movie is perfect like it's so good um and it should either and my my what i would do is take out joker swap in knives out and give farewell the 10th spot yep yeah i i agree with knives out um it never stood a chance but i think that portrait of lady on fire has what it takes to be a best picture nominee um I, I know it hasn't been in any conversations. It got no nominee, nominations, obviously, et cetera. But I think that was a phenomenal film. Um, so, yeah, I would easily take out Joker. Um, honestly, I'd also take out Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, we'll talk more about that with Best Directing, but it is uh, a fine Tarantino film. It is nothing special, and the only reason Hollywood loves it is it because is it because it's about itself. Um it is not one of Tarantino's best films or his most challenging or his most beautiful or, and I'm, you guys know, I'm a, I'm a Tarantino apologist. Um, 
but I'm the first to say that this is not one of his better films and it's annoying because it's only getting in this because of narcissism. Um, and I think the only worthy uh, nomination for it, I think, is Brad Pitt. I really like Brad Pitt in this movie. He's really good in the film. He's very good and I love Brad Pitt. I, just I think love he's him. even better in Ad Astra, but I know how much you hate that movie, so I won't he's even He's very good that. in Ad Astra. <laughs> He's whatever. Um, but yes, I, but, yeah. I actually am okay with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's um, nomination, despite me not loving the the movie. I love moments in the film, but the whole film as a, as an entirety like just didn't cohere for me as much as it does for other people. And I can understand why people love it so much um, aside, outside of like just the whole Hollywood aspect because it is – uh, similar to similarly to the Irishman about a dying generation and about um, them realizing that this is their, they're on the last legs and I think that is a really interesting way uh, almost contemplative way and like um, self aware way of, of treating it and I I do like that too. It's funny that we thought getting in younger more diverse people into the Academy would change the Oscars and it's still just boomers nominating movies yeah. that boomers love yeah and like no one else. The- what if the younger people are voting? I mean, this, I don't want to, like, what if they're also voting for these movies? I mean, no, and they probably, I'm sure there are some who are. However, I wouldn't, I I find it very hard to believe that if there wasn't a political aspect to the Academy, that is what's sure. keeping yeah. things like The Farewell and Knives Out out of this conversation, mm-hmm. I would not believe me. If, I would not believe it if you told me that. Like, I absolutely believe there is pressure from older Academy members and that this is not a, like, fair fight. Yeah, quote it's unquote. very political, for sure. Um, yeah, and so, like, I... I am... Um, yeah, yeah, no, I don't think it's fair. Um, yeah. I, I love the Oscars. I watch them every year. I love the pomp and circumstance. I love a night celebrating Hollywood because as much as I'm in it, I love Hollywood. Yeah. But that it's also... Shows stupid and doesn't matter and i also want to say that of all the films of established auteurs looking back at their lives and their careers uh pedro pedro amaldivar's pain and glory is the best of the three mm-hmm. exactly so, and it did get a best foreign language nomination though which is nice yeah but i think it could have also snuck in for best picture it could have it was a um, movie that just like filled my heart completely and i i love it i think i don't know if you've seen it yet uh anya not yet i want to I but i really know like it's it. amazing but yeah, yeah i want to get thrown my support too for portrait of late on fire but the odds were stacks against it because france oh, yeah. didn't nominate it for its best uh international don't film. understand that yeah well i what i heard is that france was like another lesbian romance film we got enough of those which is fair because they have a lot of lesbian romance films but it's just so beautiful and but they also have a hundred adaptations of Les Miserables like well, what this is a, a modern day adaptation of it so it's actually not it's more like a inspiration it's a different story still yeah it's still not like, yeah but they still they, water. They, 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 if you title your movie Les Miserables people are going to be like we're not going to watch that because yeah. we've already watched it it's we've about race though it. which is interesting Modern day or not, it's still taken from Victor Hugo's novel. Yeah. Like, well, so. I haven't seen it, so I can't defend it, but I just, I do want to say that I feel like Portrait of Lady on Fire deserves at least a couple uh, nominations in other categories. Uh, cinematography in particular is just stunningly uh, shot. It looks, every shot, every frame of painting, as the YouTube channel says. And to be fair, Lehman's Rob is one of my favorite stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm feeling if I watch the movie from last year, I will love it, but I just really want Portrait to get more love. Yeah, um, it deserves but, more love. 
Um, another we, film I also want to shout out, even though I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think it would have gotten a Best Picture nod, Uncut Gems. Hey. Uh, not fair. <laughs> I love it. It's got, I mean, Larry wasn't even, I mean, we're going to go into this later, but uh, it got completely shut out. Not even a nomination for Adam Sandler. Nothing for screenplay, which was incredibly tight, incredibly riveting, uh, incredibly stress-inducing. I know you haven't seen it yet, Willoughby, because it, it, anxiety is not great. Um, but it is just a fantastic film that I think will be remembered for years to come. So, like, it is a big snub on the part of the Academy. But, but now it'll go down in history as, like, the snubbed perfect movie exactly so i think it still has a hit i think it still has like cult status achieved Mm -hmm. so i'm not worried about it yeah yeah i agree like losing the 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 pulse of film twitter Mm -hmm. yeah um Um, another one actually sorry i'm gonna mention one more thing uh this is a film that i didn't particularly love that much because i didn't think it was as tight as his debut feature but us um also got completely shut out and I think that was one that left a big cultural impact, too, even though it came out really, really early this uh, last year. So that was one that could have possibly taken the 10th slot but, uh, and maybe shown a little bit more diversity in this selection. But, uh, yes, that's a uh, – there you go. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think – I'm – no, go ahead. I wouldn't say I don't think best picture for it, but I think at least Lupita should have gotten nominated. Lupita, like I think it deserves, I think it deserved nominations in other areas mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Willoughby. Oh, I was actually going to make a shitty joke saying I, I wish De- uh, Detective Pikachu got the tenth slot. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we do love Detective Pikachu in this we house. Do. He's on the case. We stand in this house. But let's move yes. on to the next category. All right, so we're going to do Best Director next. Um, and as Issa Rae, who helped announce the nominees, said, congratulations to these men, because the Best Director category is all men. We have Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Bong Joon-ho for Parasite, Sam Mendes for 1917, and Todd Phillips for Joker. I think that max three of these men deserve to be in this category. Bong Joon-ho, for sure. Mm -hmm. Sam Mendes, potentially, because if it is a visual feat, like, I I feel like he directed the movie well. There's direction in that movie. Right. Martin Scorsese, because I have heard The Irishman is good, and, you know, it is a a career sort of feat. Um, Tarantino and Phillips should be off this list. Uh, Pedro Almodovar should be on it. Or... Two women should be on this list because women directed so many great movies last year. Greta Gerwig, Little Women, Lulu Wang, The Farewell, uh, Celine Sciamma, The Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Mariel Heller. I asked this of HT last week when we were discussing, and that's how we decided that this week we'd talk about Oscar nominees. What more do women need to do than make films that are critically acclaimed and declared some of the best of the year? What more do they need to do to be recognized? They need Tell to make me movies that. about men, obviously. <laughs> Once, uh, a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood is about men. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's, uh, I, yeah. It's the Oscars are, are, yeah. It's not good. 
Oscars are not not so great for women this year, huh? But yeah, no. Greta Gerwig, I think, is a huge snub. Lulu Wong, huge snub. Um, uh, Laureen Scafaria for the, for Hustlers as well. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Maria Heller, of course, uh, who I think deserved one not only for I haven't seen a beautiful day in the neighborhood, but sh- her um, her film uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me is so so excellent. Ooh. So um, excellent. She's been snubbed numerous times now. Yeah, another, a few others I want to mention. Maddie Diop, who directed Atlantics. Um, who else? There are a couple, There are several others that have I am forgetting her name at the moment, but the director of Honey Boy. Oh. Um, she did. Alma or something? Yeah, she did a beautiful job with that film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Her computer's being slow. Yeah, uh, Greta Gerwig should be nominated for, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just, it's again, it's like, what more do these women need to do than, I guess, right, create movies about Hollywood itself and white men, or they can only get recognized when they're in their 70s and have had a, a career like Scorsese. Like, what more do these women need to do? Um, and also, on the Pedro Almodovar, I think also Taika Waititi should have been in contention. Yes. Because I think even if Jojo Rabbit wasn't your cup of tea, I really loved it. I know there are valid critiques of it. I still feel like he made a very bold stance as a director with that film and walked a very fine line and did a really great job, like, controlling that film. And, you know, again, he would have been another person of color on this list, as it is Bong Joon-ho is the only person of color on this list. And so it's just all disappointing when last year we was a great year for women especially, but then also people of color, and they get shut out. And for what? Like, what does the Academy need from them? That what's that's what confuses me so oh, much. That's they'll what never succeed. Oh, but well, hopefully, uh, as the boomers die out, we'll finally get a little bit more diversity coming in. Can I ask you guys a question? Um, do you think that the directing nomination category should also have up to ten uh, slots? I think that would actually solve a lot of these problems. I I agree. And I think I think because director and picture are tied so closely together yeah. and people are often like, you know, if you win director, you have a good chance of winning picture, you know, and there's been sort of they're very, you know, as I said, tied. I think 10 would make sense. Yeah. It's like when Selma was nominated for best picture, but got no other nominations in the major categories. And people were right. joking. Oh, that's a great one of the best movies of the year that was directed by no one and was acted in by no one. Right, like like people are. I saw people make the joke. Oh, Little Women was a great movie that directed itself. Yep. Like there's, I I think that I think that I mean there's still even if we do the ten nominees with directing, there's still the systemic problem mm-hmm. with the Academy and voting and and misogyny and sexism. Definitely, probably putting it you know a, a a weight on the scales here because all the all the old men are going to be like, well, I'm going to vote for Quentin and Marty. They're good boys. And they're going to be like, what's this uh, What's this movie about the women and their little? Nah. <laughs> so, like, I think that there's there's a huge there's a huge thing there. Um, and there was know, that I, whole story in, uh, I think it was The Hollywood Reporter, about how Academy voters w- were, like, male Academy voters were refusing to watch Little Woman because they didn't think it would uh, pertain to them. Uh, and uh, there was they didn't even consider going to see it because they're like little women. What about the little oh, men? But but boyhood is supposed to. I'm just supposed to automatically relate to boyhood. 
cool. Yep. So so glad that we've we've made that clear. But yeah, continue. So glad. Pictures. Pictures. Very frustrating. Um, so I've made my thoughts on director known very well and how frustrated I am and that Bong Joon-ho is the only truly worthy person on this list. Um, what about you guys? My number one, Greta. Little Woman, one of my favorite movies, movies of the year. Uh, just She delivered such a heartfelt and warm and movie that just completely overtakes me and I want to live in it. And um, it's so immaculately directed as well like every shot uh, is so filled with precision and purpose and um it's insane that she didn't get nominated for best director it i is. think she's it definitely really better is. than a couple people on this list for sure um, uh, you can name yeah. them yes. she is todd, better than tarantino she is better than todd phillips better than Phil- todd, todd phillips for sure which i also want to point out it's hilarious that todd phillips and martin scorsese are in the same category together when phillips Basically shot to fame with this film uh, by copying everything out of Scorsese's book. Mm-hmm. I love when they do like those like director roundtables or like writer roundtables where it's like filmed. And so you can watch like Todd Phillips saying something and out of the corner of the camera, you can see like one of the other directors just side eyeing the shit out of him. My favorite of those THR uh, roundtables so far was when um, Bong Joon-ho said to Todd Phillips, Todd, do you chain smoke? And Todd says, yes. And he says, you look like you do. (laughs) (laughs) And and like last year with Spike Lee and uh, uh, the director of Green Book, what's uh, the Farrelly brother? Yeah, Peter Farrelly. Like they were, that was a funny uh, interaction. I think, yeah, there's just these, 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 these guys, these white dudes who should just not be at the table with, Bong Joon Ho or, or the like, or even Martin Scorsese. Yeah, is like he's a he's a master of cinema. I am very I am I very much wish Greta Gerwig was in this contention or in this race. She Little Women is a perfectly directed film. It would this movie would not exist without her. Like she wrote it and directed it. Like that's not fair. Um, I'd also like he's another he's he's as white as I am. And it's straight from the Bread Isle, but. Ryan Johnson should definitely got a nomination for *Knives Out*. I think that it's it's up there. Like the 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 direction of it is superb. Yeah, I would argue that *Knives Out* is more of a screenplay movie than a directing movie. So I'm glad it got screenplay. Um, I definitely would not have included Ryan Johnson in favor of other directors we've mentioned. Mm-hmm. I think sure. this, I think I think *Knives Out* was his his uh, showcasing his writing ability more than his directing ability. Um, I'd say that, but I, I, but I, I, I also liked his directing a lot, and I think that if this, if we had like a ten, I think if there was ten slots, he'd be up there with all the ones. Yeah, yeah. If we got the ten slots, then I think he could maybe cut it in. But, but yeah, I think there's merit to the idea of discussing ten directors only because like they did it with best because they did a picture, they and like they could do it with director, yeah, and or they could do it with every category, right. Just support think, all the movies. We love movies. We they love did movies. that with the Emmys. They did that with the Emmys. They up they upped all the categories to seven actors for each category. They could do this with with Oscars. They can. I think, and this is a good transition because I'm going to do acting next. I think they should not up actors in the Oscars only because I feel like four acting categories with five 
things a piece is enough to narrow down to the top performances when you have supporting and lead. Mm. But I think director definitely just because again, like how can you say a movie is best picture worthy and not best director worthy? Um, I think you can have a director who's nominated whose film does not get best picture. Like I think yeah. Sam Mendes is a better nominee than 1917 for best picture. However, if a film is up for best picture, I think it should, it would be difficult to say it shouldn't get best director since the director is, you know, kind of like the captain of the ship. Um, right. We saw that happen last year with Cold War. I believe uh, the director of Cold War got a directing nomination, yeah. but it did not. And Cold War so is a beautiful film. I mean, it happened at the, probably the most high profile one is Argo, like Ben Affleck, yeah. you know? Well, that's the reverse where he oh, got the reverse. Best right, right, right. He get, but he didn't get nomination. Um, right, which is bullshit and then it won um, and then it won best picture so he basically right. and said, how can you and how can you say something can win best picture but not well yeah, yeah it's weird right but they're they're very tied and i think 10 and 10 would make sense for them um i don't think that a best picture nomination should guarantee you get a best well hold on i don't think best director nomination should guarantee you get a best picture nomination but i think again best picture without best director is a weird so mm-hmm. you're saying you're saying it shouldn't be tied to how many Best Picture nominees it gets. So like it, the category will always have 10 where Best Picture could have nine or eight. No, I think you can have less than 10. What I'm saying is um, like any film that's nominated for Best Picture, you'd have to make a very compelling argument why it shouldn't also get Best Director. However, if someone got Best Director, I don't think that means that it, their movie should automatically get Best Picture. Okay. What do you guys think of the rumblings of dividing the best director category or rather creating a whole new category for best female directors? Because no. there have been some rumors no. about that. No. Yeah. The female no, that's directors? Mm-hmm. That's bullshit. It feels, it, 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 again, it feels like a pity thing. It feels like animation or foreign language film. It's like you, you can't break in because we won't let you. But here, here's like a pity trophy for you. Mm-hmm. Here, here's, the, here's the participation trophy. Yep. Exactly. And you know what's the yeah, no, that's that's horseshit. I that's hope that that's horrible. Happen. I'd be more open to the idea of of adding best director in a like a comedy or something, or like splitting up the 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 yeah, nominations. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like, want that. I, sh- I like well, it's, it's. I mean, if they're gonna change anything, I would definitely want 10. the ten spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like, and then the second idea behind that would be like break it up by genre or something, or like by. A, serious or funny i don't know yeah and there are a lot but then of you get, like, the going March on nowadays for, for a comedy um yeah then yeah. you get like you get get out nominated for comedy too yeah so yeah no i would hate that i would hate genres to come into the oscar conversation which I think that... shouldn't be like it should be like i don't know because like just because something's nominated for best comedy doesn't mean it's not worthy of best picture i just think that you know the the general idea behind best picture is that it's supposed to be a drama but i don't think that's like that should be the case Mm. um but i but like you know it's very rare for comedies to get nominated for best picture so i think the the problem is suggesting all these different types of categories are splitting things up is just putting band-aid over a gaping hole of a wound (laughs) yes rather than like treating the the illness the wound for what it actually is um, and so I think, I think director is one thing upping it to 10, but I think to treat the illness that we have in the academy right now, it is really to just, it's just to 
let other genres, people of, you know, diverse backgrounds, like actually get to play at the table, play in the sandbox as it were. And so, yeah, I think, I think the discussion of categories is pointless and it really misses the point that's of the problem. And so I think we shouldn't even entertain these discussions because it's only going to give the Academy ideas of how to try and say like, oh, no, we're appeasing, you know, the woke crowd. But, you know, no, no, best picture is still going to be your favorite dramas from white men. Like, don't worry. Don't worry about that. Like, this is just, it, this is, they're like, it's like distracting you mm-hmm. from. Remember when, when they were going to do the best popular film? Oh, and... my God. Yeah. Right. That was right. your backlash. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That's what this is. So let's move on because this should not even be a discussion worth having because. We're just playing into the Academy's hands at this point. Um, so let's talk about acting. Um, I'm going to read the categories, the nominees for all four categories of acting. Um, and then we're going to have a larger discussion about them. So let's start with Best Leading Actress. And that would be Renee Zellweger in Judy, who is the current frontrunner. Charlize Theron for Bombshell. Scarlett Johansson, Marriage Story. Saoirse Ronan, Little Women. And Cynthia Erivo for Harriet. Best Actor in a Leading Role, we have Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, and Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. For an actor in a supporting role, we have Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, both Al Pacino and Joe Pesci for The Irishman, Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and Anthony Hopkins for The Two Popes. And finally, Best Actress in a Supporting Role, we have Laura Dern for Marriage Story, the other clear frontrunner in the acting categories, Margot Robbie for Bombshell, Florence Pugh for Little Women, Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit, and Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell. First things first, guys, I want to say I'm so upset that Joaquin Phoenix is the current frontrunner. Love him as an actor. Fuck the Joker. But you know what's funny? Everyone keeps talking about how the Joker is, like, breaking through as, like, a comic book movie into the Oscars. And I'm like, do we all just forget when Heath Ledger won the Oscar for playing this exact same role? And just last year, Black Panther got a Best Picture nomination, too. Do we have, like, a and two years before, And two years before that, Logan got a Best Adapted Screenplay nomination. This is... And Enter the Spider-Verse won Best Animated Film last year. Do we, do it's we have collective it's amnesia, a like, as a society? It's a dumb... It's a dumb narrative by the trade publications that are trying to like sway the Joker nominations. I don't the thing like it. is, Joaquin Phoenix is such a good actor. I honestly think he's one of the best actors of his generation. Agreed. And Not this for is this like role. this is the Sam Rockwell problem with three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, where he played a character that is just completely despicable and um, is now playing that same character in like every returning role ever since and um now walking phoenix is playing a lesser version of his role in you were never really here and he's getting lauded for it and it's um it's uh, too bad hey hey guys what do you think jared leto thinks about (laughs) not getting he's gonna be morbius don't forget he's gonna be morbius and that's how he'll get his comic book i really like that comparison to sam rockwell though because sam rockwell has been one of my favorite actors for years now i love him and i don't think he should have won for three billboards um and it's annoying always being kind of pigeonholed now because he's a phenomenal actor and so is joaquin phoenix but this is not it academy the only two people 
who should be in the conversation right now for Best Actor are Adam Driver and Antonio Banderas. I was so pleased to see Antonio Banderas in the role, although I apparently he was actually the frontrunner before uh, Joaquin Phoenix came in with Joker, because uh, no. <laughs> he is just so fantastic in Pain and Glory. Like he broke my heart. Every uh, his face is just so filled with all like this ever shifting wave of emotions, uh, and it's it's just such a phenomenal performance. Um, that is, you know, an homage to Pedro Almodovar, who who this film is like semi autobiographical. So he plays perfect homage to the director that he's often worked with, and it's just so it's such a good performance, guys. But um, I'm not mad about Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I actually think he's great in it. Um, I think he's great, but I don't think it's an Oscar worthy performance. No, I don't think it's like as Oscar worthy as today his performance in The Aviator or Django Unchained yeah. even. And um, Wall Street. Yep. he's done better with better direct. Oh, I mean not better directors because Quentin's pretty good. But like he's done better before with like these type of movies. Yeah, and I think with Tarantino. Like, I will even. say. I ha- like I will say that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the best parts of that movie for me were Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, like just shooting the shit and like yeah, me too. That scene where they're watching the TV show that Leo does. Like, fun, like I'd watch the shit out of all. I know I'd watch two minutes. hours of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I'd watch. Same. I'd listen to them do the director comment. I'd listen to them. I'd listen to them do the com- commentary for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, because they they have really good chemistry together. But and like Leo's really good in the role, and I think he, you know, he sells the, you know, the, he do, he does what he has to do as an actor. But I just think that the character, I don't know, the maybe because it's very one dimensional to me. Mm. Like, yeah, I feel like, I feel like, like Brad Pitt, actor. yeah, I feel like Brad Pitt is doing something much more nuanced than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, and Leo is doing very broad strokes of a has been actor. And I've seen that before. Yeah. And it's nothing interesting or new. And I don't really get it. I don't like, totally agree don't with you because I like his sort of desperation that he imbues into the role. Um, that being said, like, I, I'm not mad at his nomination here. I don't think it's one of his best performances ever. But I think of, like, the best the actors in contention for this category, I'm not mad at, about him being there. Um Jonathan Price, I though, I don't know what he's doing I there. I don't know why Two Popes okay. is getting so much traction. I, I haven't seen the, I haven't seen the Two Popes yet, but I feel like I'm weirdly I want to weirdly defend it only because Jonathan Price is just one of the best actors. He is that we have. Like he's really good. And do you know that there could be two popes? What if there were two popes? What if there was? What if there were two? Popes? I'm just, I'm just, what I'm weirdly like, because I'm just like, wow, like, do I want to watch a movie where Jonathan Price and Anthony Hopkins just act the hell out of each other? Like, yeah, I do. I want to watch that movie. Like, and it's a Netflix film, and it's sort of surprising that like all these, like Netflix really came to play. They this did. Year. Um, they especially did. with their acting nominations, um, Marriage Story, Adam Driver, Nick man. And, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's talk about let's Adam talk Driver. about little baby Adam Driver, my little He's baby. Great. He's my, 35-year-old Adam he, Driver. He is my baby. He's your child. He's my child, built like a refrigerator. Yeah, he and is, he's larger than a refrigerator, too. He deserves an Oscar for the lip tremble at the end of Marriage Story yeah. alone. No, he he turned in, like, one of the best performances of the year, for sure. And, like, well, Marriage Story itself is very much an, an actor's movie. And he oh, and Scarlett God. just completely killed it, like, they Such were powerhouses. Um, but let's talk about who we think should be in this category. I think, you know, the biggest snub for me, Bobby of course. Bobby D. Bobby D. 
But also, Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems, where are you at? Adam Sandler, Uncut Gems. He put on a suit for you guys. He went into the press circuit. He stopped wearing his t-shirts. He tried. And he is, oh my god, he is like near mythic in Uncut Gems. Just something like a pure force of chaotic energy and um, destruction but mostly to himself and it is yeah. it is a performance man it is a gr- and um honestly i'm very upset by that that snub but of course bobby d in the irishman robert de niro, that was robert de niro's movie and as great as supporting actors are i lean a little bit more towards joe pesci because he gives a really quiet soul-stirring performance that's really against type for him i love that but robert de niro just carries this film through and um especially at the end when he, when he is like sort of faced with spoilers being the last one left and uh he's really just looking for companionship and um forgiveness and is not does not receive either of those things it's just such a beautiful a, and a melancholic look at the his life mm, yes i have a question for you this all sounds very compelling i mean i really i really should watch this movie um you should watch it when it's called the irishman is his character irish his character is irish yeah. but why do you hire three italians <laughs> He's actually half Irish. Why? So Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro is actually half Irish. Can you imagine fucking Robert De Niro does not look half Irish. He looks the most Italian Irishman I've ever seen. I'm just like saying, if you're gonna make a movie about fucking Irishmen, hire fucking Irishmen. Like Brendan Gleeson is sitting right there being a phenomenal actor, and you're not hiring him. Wait a minute. Hold on. Okay, we're not gonna ha- we're not gonna talk about anything more except the fan casting of Brendan and Gleeson. That sounds like a great movie, actually. Oh. I would totally watch. Why that. didn't he do that? Why didn't Martin Scorsese cast Brendan Gleeson? Brendan Gleeson should be every Irishman ever. He was in Gangs of New York. It's true. He he, he has an English Scorsese. He hired three of the most Italian Italian men <laughs> ever to play. All right, Leo. <laughs> yeah, for us, sorry, Leo. <laughs> You're not Italian enough. <laughs> um, I speak the most Italian. <laughs> Grazie. Buongiorno. Anyway, I'm just like really because I was like, I was like, oh, it's called The Irishman, but there's like there's a there's a there's a fun story reason for why the movie's titled that because it's actually about nope. Italians. Fun fact: they nope. never they never actually say The Irishman through the entire film, and. The title card is actually not The Irishman. It's I Heard You Paint Houses, which is the book. Not Not until the very end. But um, it's hilarious because you see immediately... There's two title cards, though, for I Heard You Paint Houses. And you're like, what is this movie? And it's obvious that uh, Scorsese wanted to title it I Heard You Paint Houses. And Netflix was like, SEO, though. (laughs) Right. The thing... Okay, Anya, the thing you should know about... Why didn't he just make a movie about Italians? Because it's called The Irishman. The thing you should know about... Hold on. Pause, you guys. For one moment, and you can cut this out of the recording. My roommate, Dana, why are you laughing at me? <laughs> Brendan Gleeson was right there. Well, you're also saying like, I'm sure they make a movie about Italians or like a gazillion. I know. About- He's made a million movies about Italians. People about Irish people. <laughs> By the way, I'm keeping this all I'm in the sorry. recording. We can, we can cut all this, but the Oscars are making me insane, you guys. Here's the... Okay, Anya, did you know that in Martin Scorsese's The Irishman, a movie for Netflix, that to make Robert De Niro look Irish, they gave him blue eyes? 
<laughs> the blue eyes are the most distracting part of the movie, actually. Brendan Gleason is right there. More so than the de-aging effects, the gonna... blue eyes were so distracting. They, I think I think what Anya's doing right now is going to get us a Webby nomination. <laughs> Guys, I feel like the Oscars are literally... We're going to be the first podcast of a full-down breakdown. Full breakdown. I think we're going to be the first podcast to win Best Picture. Thank you to the Academy and also to God. (laughs) Oh. Anyways. Oh, yeah. They digitize his eyes to make them blue because he's Irish. I'm so, I, oh God, before I read anything about this movie, I was just like, oh, the Irishman, a fun name for a movie about Italian-Americans. Right, it's like, no, it's ta- actually it's about like Irish-Americans, it's and like they're no one Irish! Big guy tiny. No, well, the fact is, the no, thing he, is, he's yeah, actually yeah. the only Irishman in a gang of Italians. <laughs> All the others are Italians, Italians, he is the only Irishman, that's why they call him the Irishman. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay, cool. Then keep Al Pacino. Keep yeah. Joe Pesci. They're Italian. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Brendan Gleeson. <laughs> All right, guys, we gotta that's we gotta Robert move on. We're like that's an hour into this podcast, and we haven't even talked about the rest of the acting categories. That's why Robert De Niro didn't get nominated for an Oscar because he's not Irish, and we all know this role should have gone to Brendan Gleeson. Justice for Brendan Gleeson. All right, so best actress. <laughs> Um, apart from Cynthia Erivo, uh, everyone here is, a uh, blonde and white. I mean... Hey guys, did you notice that Scarlett Johansson only got, oh, got two nominations and only one person of color got an acting nomination? Yeah. Yeah, that was glaring. And do you know what the whole, the sort of optics around that is? Is that Cynthia Erivo is the only, uh, woman of color, the only actor of color apart from Antonio Banderas, although there's arguments that he isn't actually a person of color, to be nominated in an act, a major acting category. And um, it's a slave narrative, again. Right, it's like the only reason she got nominated is because she is playing a slave. Yeah, and it basically plays into, you know, the Academy sort of subconsciously saying, we only accept black performances, we only award black performances if they're playing roles that are typically submissive to... Or like lesser than white roles, and like the ones that we choose to raise up are the slave narratives, because then you know it's something that's a little bit more black and white, you might say. Um, <laughs> and I have to say, Cynthia Revo is good in Harriet, which is a bad movie, um, but there are so many other women of color that could be nominated, not only in her slot, but also in the slot of Charlize Theron in Bombshell, which is a my, the, probably the, the nomination I'm the most mad about because I did see this movie. It is a bad movie. Charlize Theron is fine in it, but really her performance is mostly the prosthetics acting, and it's, again, the Academy awarding actors for looking like the people they're supposed to look like. And honestly, her prosthetics are hindering her more than anything. It looks like she has Botox for the majority of the movie and she can barely pull a facial expression. And her voice, you know, does sound like something. I don't know if it's exactly like Megyn Kelly, but God, Jesus, I don't understand. I'm very mad about this it nomination. It makes no sense. It but yeah. it's, it's reminds me of Laura Dern's nomination because, again, she's doing nothing remarkable in Marriage Story, but she's the front runner for some she reason. She should have been I nominated think- for Little Woman instead. She didn't really have much to do with Marmy either in Little Woman, to no, be honest. I think, I think she gave did a lot more with Little Woman than she did in Marriage Story. I I think 
she didn't have a lot of meat on either of these roles. Um, do you think? Do you think that this is a nomination for both movies, like a not like for both movies, sort of combined, where people are like, oh, I really liked her in Marriage Story, and I really liked her in Little Women. This so... is a career award. This, this is, is being no, like, this, this, yeah. this is an this is an Oscar for apologizing for not giving it to her for Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, basically, Ellie, Ellie Ellie Sattler. Yeah, this is a basically a career award, being like, oh, we like uh, Laura Dern, and she's pretty good in this movie, so let's give her an award. Um, but yes, other actresses that could be in actress in a leading role: Aquafina for the Pugh. farewell. Um, Florence Pugh for Midsummer. Florence Pugh for Midsummer. Lupita Nyong'o for Us. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, those are those are the big flaws. Like honestly, Aquafina should have gotten um, should have gotten Charlize Theron's place, and Lupita Nyong'o should have gotten Cynthia Revo's place, or um, uh, Alfred Woodard who mm-hmm. I've heard great things for, yes. uh, should have gotten a nomination as well in Clemency. Uh, but yes, yes it's agree. overwhelmingly Do white you guys think and, yeah, and blonde, apart from Cynthia Revo. It's, it's very white and blonde. Now, if you had to choose a Scarlett Johansson role to keep in the now, in the acting, which one would you choose? Jojo Marriage Rabbit. Story. Ooh! I haven't seen Jojo Rabbit, so I have to lean towards Marriage Story um, because I do think she's incredible in that. Uh, that's, <laughs> I'm really happy I think, that. I, I think she's phenomenal in Marriage Story. I think Noah Bombach, because he's telling the story from his POV, gives Charlie the more interesting arc in Marriage Story. I think they both deliver phenomenal performances. I think the movie belongs to Adam Driver in a way it does not belong to Scarlett Johansson. And I think what Scarlett Johansson does in Jojo Rabbit is extremely profound and compassionate and soft. And I think there's something to be said for a performance like that, which often goes, you know, under the radar. Whereas in Marriage Story, the, the meat of it is almost a little too obvious. I, do, I, I loved her in Jojo yeah, Rabbit. I, do, I did find Scarlett Johansson to be more likable than I found her in years in Jojo Rabbit. And that was really disarming and really, like, pleasantly surprising for me right um i disagree with your assessment of marriage story i do think that it's uh, not exactly equal but i think that the the head of the film lies with scarlett johansson's character whereas the heart lies with um adam's character i agree with your assessment i just think and i think he's compassionate towards both characters Mm -hmm. but like i really think charlie is the more dynamic one in the film yeah um i don't disagree with that but i think scarlet is just so phenomenal in marriage story so yeah yeah i think she deserves that nomination and it's her first oscar nomination both of them are and she got nominated twice was she she wasn't nominated for lost in translation I don't think so because i remember reading stories about how this was her first oscar um I could have sworn she was, but maybe I am I have, wrong. I could have sworn she was yep, also this is her first uh, her first two really? nominations. Wow! So wow. two in one year. She would have gotten. I thought maybe she would have gotten one for one of the Woody Allen movies nope. that she did. Me, I could have sworn Lost in Translation. No, that's the that's Kate Blanchett you're thinking of. Yeah, because... Penelope Cruz got the one for Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, Kate Blanchett got. One for Blue Jasmine? Jasmine. Yeah. Yeah. I will say I'm really happy with the front runner here. Um, I think Renee Zellweger deserves this 10 times over. Um, Not only because she's phenomenal in an otherwise average movie as Judy Garland, but I also really love the narrative about Renee Zellweger and how this industry beat her down 
and how she is coming back with a vengeance and going to this industry and saying, you did this to me. You caused me to reach a breaking point and put me in my darkest places. And I am now back and I am better than ever. And I am stronger and you cannot break me. Um, and so, you know, as much as that seems like a movie narrative in and of itself, I love it and I love her. And so I am, I'm, I'm pretty happy with her being the front runner. Yeah. I haven't seen Judy yet, but I, 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 pretty like settled with the fact that she's the front runner and I, I do like the how it's reflective of her own comeback and uh the the kind of flack that she got after disappearing for a couple of years and coming back like very changed because women age surprise women age and also like she wouldn't have had to disappear if Hollywood hadn't abused her the way it did mm-hmm. so I I want nothing but the best for Renee Zellweger yes. and I think and and Judy Garland is a phenomenal role for her, so I'm I'm not unhappy about it. Um, okay. Yeah. And before we move on to the best supporting actor category, I do want to give a shout out to um, Eddie Murphy in Dolomite Is My Name because we got caught up in some Bobby De Niro conversations in our best actor uh, con- uh, discussion. But uh, Eddie Murphy also staging a big comeback, and he w- gives a surprisingly nuanced and just dynamite performance with Dolomite is my name as a um, black black exploitation star who's kind of self-made and perseveres despite all obstacles being thrown in his path and uh, it's about filmmaking and it's about um, just trying to be the best uh, at something even if like you get you keep are met with failures constantly and I'm surprised that that Dolomite is my name hasn't actually gotten more love from uh, the Academy because it is about filmmaking and they love movies about that and about underdogs too. So. Yeah, but it's about black people. HT. Yeah. Oh. So with that, let's go to the best actor in a supporting role category. Anya. Actor. Yes, actor. I love Brad Pitt. I just think he's a good... I've always loved him. I have a big old uh, No, stupid... Anya, I wanted you to read the, the list first. <gasps> oh, you want me to read the list again? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Brad Pitt's really dreamy. I get distracted by him. I mean, fair. Um, the uh, Best Actor in Supporting Role, the nominees, again, are Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, both Al Pacino and Joe Pesci playing actual Italian-Americans in The Irishman, which does not star Bunning Gleason, um, Tom Hanks for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood playing Mr. Rogers, and Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes. And as I More saying, popes! Brad More Pitt popes. is beautiful. I have a big, stupid crush on him. He is the... I don't care Brad if Pitt was the Pope. Brad Pitt's the Pope. He's the definite frontrunner in this category, pope. and deservedly so. So, um, I, I mean, I'm really happy, though, that Joe Pesci got... Uh, the a nomination for the Irishman, even though there is two Irishman uh, nominations in this category, I think it's well deserved. And Joe Pesci gets a really, really um, surprisingly subtle performance, and I love that. Um, but are there any performances in a best supporting actor role that you guys would have liked to see in this category? The entire pair yes. of Yeah. Ryan Reynolds' Detective Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> Song Kong Ho from am Parasite I, am is. I yeah, Song Kong Ho and Parasite is egregiously snubbed in this category. And, and I know Neon started to do a campaign for him, and I think that it could have honestly been pulled off. Um, he is kind of the face of the Korean wave uh, of films that have taken over in the past 10 years. And he gives such a, a, pow- like a, a 
dynamic and um, really subtle performance in Parasite. Just like really fantastic. That uh, is basically the, th- the thematic anchor of the whole movie um, and its story of the haves and have-nots. And he is just fantastic. And I really would have loved to see him in this category, which um, again, very white. Uh, other ones that you would have liked to see. Um, oh, well, this is, would not help with the diversity issue, but uh, Willem Dafoe in The Lighthouse. Hark! Just for his park speech. Hark! Yeah. And his farts. That alone. That a little, uh, yeah, the farts and hark. Harks and farks should have <laughs> given him a nomination. Do you guys know, th- that reminds me, there should actually be a category for just like best monologuing. Yeah. That's a category I would like genuinely love to see because I'm like Willem Dafoe, Florence Pugh. I'm like, give me them, give me them monologues. Yeah, yeah. High been... schoolers are gonna be saying those forever on drama auditions. <laughs> yes, Marriage Story is already being like used in drama auditions, so I'm sure. Uh huh. But let's move on to the last. Uh, category actress in a supporting role again Kathy Bates, Laura Dern, Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, Margot Robbie. I am was very pleasantly surprised by the inclusion of Florence Pugh in Florence Little Pugh. Women. Uh, she wasn't well, really Pugh. in the conversations, but I was so happy to see her there, and she really is the MVP of the film. She almost steals it from Saoirse Ronan, and um, she made me love Amy. So just gotta give it to her, and um, I think it also makes up for her snub for Midsummer, even though. Uh, I think that she's equally great in both films. She gives very different performances, but Florence Pugh, 2019 was her year. Yeah, she's the Alicia Vikander of 2019. <laughs> I don't know if I would compare it to Alicia Vikander because... Uh, well, they both had, like, breakout years and they won an Oscar at the end of it, so I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Any... I... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Any? Oh, I was going to ask anything that you guys particularly loved or hated about this category. I love Laura Dern. She doesn't do anything that's Oscar worthy in this movie, and I'm just upset about it because I want my favorite actors to be nominated for worthy roles. So I'm just annoyed at that. But I'm very happy about Florence Pugh because she's an angel, and Amy is an angel, and. Everyone else, I can honestly give or take. Like, I think Margot Robbie is the best performance in Bombshell, but I also I think her character is a huge detriment to the film. So I feel conflicted about that. Um, I also don't think Bombshell it was, it was a mediocre film. I don't think it should have really gotten any nominations because I don't think it's actually an Oscar film at all in any way. Um, again, the Parasite like- cast. It feels like it's store brand Adam McKay. Yeah, it's it's a oh, much, it. much less version, lesser version of The Big Short. It's not even in the same tier. And The Big Short is pretty good. So, <laughs> but yeah. And Margot Robbie's in that too. Yeah. Um, oh, yes, she is. But uh, um, the, I haven't, re- I haven't seen Bombshell, so I can't say, but I, I'm very happy that Florence Pugh got a nomination. I'm also, we didn't really talk about Saoirse in Best Actress, but I'm also glad she got a nomination for for Joe as well. Mm-hmm. She was kind um, of a, a, a guarantee, though. She's a given, but I mean, she's a time nominee now and before the age of like 26. Yeah. So that's sort of, that's very impressive. She's the second youngest after um, Jennifer Lawrence. This is going back. This is not, um, oh, this is actually going back to Best Actress, but I just wanted to say, because I feel like I 
forgot this until just this moment. Um, but I really wanted to say that, ooh, uh, the Nightingale. I forget the lead actress's name. Um, let me check. Uh, Aisling Franceschi um, as Claire in The Nightingale. One of the best films of 2019. She was phenomenal. She also Jennifer Kent directing oh, again. Yes, for sure. Um, so I just wanted to mention her real quick. But again, mine just always comes back to the Parasite cast. Yeah. They should have gotten nods. Park Sodam should have gotten a nomination. She is so perfect as the Kim sister. Um, and she's she gives a really calculated uh, performance. And of course, you know, gives a little Jessica jingle, which is iconic now. Um, but all the Parasite cast should have gotten a nomination or should at least have been in the conversation. Um, I think uh, Kathy Bates and Richard Jewell is just such a boring choice. I mean, Kathy Bates is great, but she just was playing the, you know, kind of the grieving mother in this. It's not something that's very challenging or very interesting. Um, and then, yeah, Margot Robbie and Bombshell is something that I don't think is particularly worth that slot, despite her being the best part of that movie it, and a very mediocre movie at that. Um, we need to talk about the big uh, glaring snub, Jennifer Lopez in Hustlers. Hustlers was actually a movie that I liked but didn't love, but Jennifer Lopez is just phenomenal in that movie. Oh, my God. I wanted to, like, lay my firstborn child down at her feet and have have her sell it to a rich man and then, you know, steal it back or something. So (laughs) she's just She was the best part of that film by far. Yeah, for sure. And, like, she gives such a charismatic and funny and and charming and – vulnerable performance in that film and it's one that is really it's a role that's really made for her and it's just so perfectly suited for her it's definitely a career best performance and um she was doing the oscar like um campaign rounds too and in in a lot of the buzz and uh she just completely got snubbed and again it was another chance for a person of color to be added to this category which again is except for kathy bates all blonde and white and uh if we had if we could have had Jennifer Lopez for Hustlers. We could have had Park So Dumb for Parasite. It would have been, would have been good. Or it would have been better. Yeah. yeah or I agree. some the grandmother from The Farewell, um, whose name I'm yes. going to butcher. Oh. I'm very sorry. Um, Zhao, hold on. E, why is my internet so slow today? Uh, Zhao <laughs> Shu Zhen. Yeah. She's yeah. Fantastic. No, she deserved it. I think. Yeah. It's just all white and disappointing. Um, two people that I forgot to mention that I just wanted to give a quick shout out to. Um, real bummed for Taron Edgerton that he didn't get a Best Actor nod for Rocket Man, not because he should have like beat anyone in the category necessarily, but like I'm just bitter that like Rami Malek won for Bohemian Rhapsody and Taron Edgerton, who gave the better performance in Rocket Man in the better overall film, didn't get recognition. Um, so a little sad for him, but he's not like my biggest disappointment. And I also think that a huge miss was Jonathan Majors for supporting actor for The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Oh, for sure. Because I think Jonathan Majors gave one of the best performances of 2019, bar none, and he should have been nominated. Absolutely. Yep. Um, do we want to talk? We're kind of running a little long. Do we want to quickly mention all my yelling about Irishmen? (laughs) That's okay. Do we want to quickly talk about animation or do we want to move on? Klaus for Best Animated Film. 
Klaus is great. It's a great surprise. And uh, I'm Klaus. I haven't quite, seen it. I'm quite surprised that Disney is not dominating this category. They only have Toy Story 4, but that's Pixar at that. And Frozen 2 didn't even get a nomination. Instead, we have a surprise uh, nomination from Missing Link, which is a Leica film. They are the studio behind. I like her. Yeah, I like a Leica. <laughs> They are behind Coraline, Kubo and the Two Strings, Klaus, which was a really great, really uh, unique Christmas film that was on Netflix and uh, just so so wonderful and like really smart too. I Lost My Body, I also was happy to see, which is a French film um, about a disembodied hand looking for his his body. (laughs) And then How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, which was a really great capper to a beautiful saga. And Toy Story 4 was good, too, <laughs> of course. Yeah, I think Toy I think Story Disney 4 was very good. Disney and Pixar just didn't do some of their best last year. Yeah. Um, I'll honestly be disappointed if Toy Story 4 wins, because as much as I do love it as a film, I don't think it's the best of the bunch of animation from last year. Yep. Um, I, I, I'm rooting for Klaus, but I've also heard Missing Link and uh, I Lost My Body. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, are, I've heard they're both also very good, so I, w- I would want one of those three Missing to win, Link honestly. is good. I thought it was fine. But I didn't love it. Uh, it's not yeah. one of the strongest Leica films. I just, like, it was a fun, was like, a advent- like a swa- uh, swashbuckling adventure film, but it was, like, it was all right. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah. uh, I Lost My Body is excellent. Very surreal and dreamlike. Uh, you can watch it on Netflix now. I actually, I think of these choices i think klaus is also my number one pick because it's such yeah. a good and unique and um the the combination of hand-drawn and 3d animation in this is just fantastic and i haven't a seen tender klaus. story it's, you should check it you out it's watch really it. beautiful honestly i love jk simmons in this movie i He's think is he santa? He's santa he's santa oh well what wait you buried the lead there <laughs> He's, it's one of, honestly, it's some of my favorite voice acting work. Like, I love him as Klaus. He's great. Um, he, yeah. I've just, I've just been listening to him as Tenzin, Avatar's son in Korra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, J.K. Simmons is a great voice. Um, I'm, because I haven't seen Klaus, I can't root for it truly, but I'm putting my weight towards How to Train Your Dragon 3, because I think that even though it was sort of a so-so movie, the last 10 minutes really just sort of took my heartstrings and just played them like a fiddle. Um, so that's where I'm coming down. And then maybe Toy Story 4 right behind it, because I feel like Toy Story 4 had an interesting message to say. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll check out Klaus. You should. Okay, really good. Santa Claus. Um, All right. Uh, we won't go into detail with any of the other categories, but are, is there anything else that you guys want to add about the Oscar race this year? Um, um, I just, I, I'll just say, I'm just shout out to best cinematography nomination for the lighthouse, um, because it's a phenomenal, phenomenally shot movie. Um, and I'm glad I got some, some award recognition, if anything. Um, yeah. Uh, Anya? Yeah. I just want to say, um, Roger Deakins is still God and we love him. Um, and I think there are some pretty strong contenders for a screenplay. Um, I think I'm most excited for original screenplay because I think Parasite, Knives Out, and Marriage Story all had really beautiful screenplays. I think those are my, like, the three ones that I'd be happy to see win. Um, and Adapted, I would obviously love to see Greta win. Um, I also think Taika Waititi did a great job with Jojo Rabbit, though. Um, those are my two for those that 
the adapted category. Um, but I think there's some really strong writing this year. So I'm excited to see which ones those categories. I just yeah. want to say that I think 2019 was a really, really strong year for movies. So much so that it was hard for a frontrunner to appear for a long time in the Oscar awards until really the Golden Globe started. And um, I'm actually... When I when it came to the Best Picture nominees, I actually wasn't too mad about all of the choices because I think they're all strong films in their own um, sense, even whatever message Joker has and whatever uh, following it has. I think that this was 2019 was such a great year for movies, and it was so stacked that everyone could come away with their own favorite movie, and they would not be wrong, except for if they had, like Joker, then they're wrong. But other than that, we always need a villain in uh, an Os- in the Oscar season, and uh, turns and we, out the best villain uh, is that. The best villain is the clown prince of crime. He's mm-hmm. back! I, I agree. I think... <sighs> but see, the thing is, you saying that is going to make me even more disappointed if 1917 wins, because I think you're right. 2019 was a strong year, and there were really great films, and if another war movie that's just all about white men wins i'm gonna be even more disappointed and frustrated when movies like parasite also exist and little women and jojo rabbit and so i think i agree but now i'm almost more scared because if 1917 wins it'll just be an acknowledgement that even though these really great diverse films are getting made they're not being fully recognized and so i think i think you're right but i think 1917 winning is ultimately in my mind a loss for the industry at large anyways parasite for best picture parasite for best picture detective pikachu for best picture (laughs) all right with that let's move on to the last segment of our episode i really 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 like you but i need to tell you something Why don't you start us off this week? What do you really like? Uh, J.K. Rowling no longer owns Harry Potter. I do. Um, I re- we my girlfriend and I rewatched the Harry Potter films over this weekend, and uh, I some people are not able to divorce the bad from the good because J.K. Rowling has been very very bad recently. Um, but these movies still uh, fill a, a, a warm spot in my heart. Um, and so does the butter beer that I made. Um, yeah, no, I, I, we did the Harry Potter rewatch and I, I still like the films. Deathly Hallows is still my favorite. Um, and Prisoner of Azkaban is the best shot and best directed. Agreed. Yeah, uh, that's all I want to say. Cause, uh, Harry Potter conversation can get long and we've already been going for a while. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. I agree. All right. Anya. I agree. Those movies are still fun. Have you heard about our Lord and Savior, Geralt or Vivia and his powerful, Lover, Jennifer of Vengerberg, and their fierce adopted daughter, Princess Siri. Oh, you haven't? Let me tell you about them, because they are wonderful. So I am watching The Witcher on Netflix, and it is... The Witcher. The Witcher. It's the source of all my joy right now. I cannot wipe the grin off my face when I'm watching the show. Um, It is based on a uh, book series by, I believe, a Swedish author which then turned out uh, into popular video games, graphic novels, another TV series that no one has ever watched. Um, And now Netflix uh, has their own series adapting the books primarily, I think. Um, 
I didn't really have any interest in this show because we had the original promo photos with like, we all thought Henry Cavill's wig was terrible and we were all like, uh, what's this? Um, and I was under the assumption that the video games were more sci-fi than fantasy and it was, you know, just big monsters and I wasn't really into that. Um, and then the show came out and so many of my friends were like, Anya, you have to watch the show. It is your bread and butter. And I watched it. And I love it so much. It is traditional high fantasy. Um, I did not realize how tropey it was and how much it's just about knights and princesses and mages and elves and dwarves and, you know, lands and warring countries and, and kingdoms and witchers. And it, it's so, I love fantasy. It's my favorite genre. And I have a soft spot for traditional high fantasy. Um, and this show is wonderful. It, uh... I love its tone. It knows how to walk a very fine line between camp and seriousness, when to lean into its camp, when to take things more seriously. It is it is fun. It is beautiful. There are women of color in this show, people. In a traditional high fantasy media, there are women of color, and they are amazing. And and Henry Cavill, this is his best role since Napoleon Solo in... Ooh, hey, um, wait. I, I hate to interrupt, but can I do my, my, my uh, Geralt of Vivi impression? You can, please. <laughs> you you know you, you say it. that you mm, you no 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 what? that's a compliment that's a compliment. No, it is, but it's what the thing I love about Geralt is that that's what you assume he is at the very beginning, and then you get to know him, and you realize he's actually more talkative than you think he is, and he's willing to open up, and he's actually a big softy, and I love him, and he's gonna be a great dad to Siri, and I just it's which shows are like onions. And it's, it, oh my God, he and uh, Yasker are literally Shrek and Donkey. It's so funny. Um, there was a thread on Twitter that compared the two of them to Shrek and Donkey, and that's what sold me on the show. It's, it's incredible. I just, I'm so happy. I forgot how much I miss living in fantasy worlds. Um, and this also just makes me so excited for the Amazon's Lord of the Rings series. And I just want to live in magical realms forever. And I bought The Witcher 3 for my PS4. And maybe I'll read the books. I don't know. Who knows? But... Oh, God, I love this show. It just makes me so happy and so joyful. And we all need things like that. Like, screw the Oscar nominations. Let me just live in The Witcher forever. That's all I care about. Also, there's a character named, there's a character named Yennefer, and her nickname Yennefer. is Yen because it rhymes with Jennifer. <laughs> but also, she and Geralt are in love, and it's really beautiful. And But I just watched the sixth episode, and Mom and Dad fought. Oh, I have a lot of family. I'm glad you yeah, love it so much. I love it so much. It makes me so happy. It's so, so good. Okay, I love the Witcher. Witcher! Witcher! Toss a Toss coin to your Witcher. <laughs> All right. All right, HD, what do there's you a, really love? My, and there's a slap song that goes with it. I really like this week. Well, I don't know if it's a really like yet, but it is a like because I kind of just dove into it. And now yes. I am encircled by the circle a reality <laughs> series on Netflix about social media. It basically features uh, eight contestants who live in separate apartments in this one building, and um, they uh, can only communicate with the other residents through a the, the Circle app, which shows the profiles they want to show to the other people. So people can be themselves, or they can be um, someone else. They can catfish them. So to speak, and um, it's it seems like a very mean spirited social experiment at first. And when I first started watching it, the um, 
loud, blaring introductions, just reminded me too much of all the reality TV that I hate. And then suddenly it became quite wholesome and a lot about just human interactions out just outside of your face-to-face interactions. And uh, I am intrigued. And the personalities are great and entertaining. The um, And it's I can't say it's a good show. It's a great show, but it's a entertaining show and that's a lot going for it i've watched it all and i can say it's a great show it's entertaining (laughs) it is going to win every emmy even the ones that it can't be nominated for but yeah i'm excited to dive more into it and actually once we finish the podcast i'm probably gonna keep watching more with uh my roommate rebecca who is patiently waiting for me (laughs) excellent i i know that feeling i often make my roommate wait for me while we record so (laughs) i totally understand (laughs) But I'm glad I have you're to watching dinner, the so. <laughs> <laughs> All our respective people are waiting on us. Which means we should probably end this episode. Um, apologies for yelling so much earlier and making this go on for very long. I just now have a lot of feelings about the fact that Brendan Gleason could have been you, up for an Oscar. You basically, you basically did like a fix it fan fiction to make Brendan I, Gleason the cast. But he maybe of... wouldn't have been up for an Oscar because Robert De Niro was not nominated. So. Yeah, but maybe he would have been he so phenomenal. Been because, because Brendan Gleason's because a really Brendan amazing. Gleason. Listen, I get it. I love Bobby D. Robert De Niro's great. I love him. He's a phenomenal actor. He's a great person. Nothing against him. I'm just saying. We stand the intern. Gleason. We met him we in the par- with the parents. We met the Fockers. We've done it. We've we've done it. We've 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 met Bobby D. What about Brendan Gleeson, America? Have you met Brendan Gleeson yet? He, he hasn't haven't. had like a big best picture like thing yet. He hasn't been like an up for an Oscar yet. And right? he's just one of those like actors who's always solid. He's always been there. He's always good. Ah, oh, and he's Irish. But if you give mm-hmm. him a, if you give him something to chew on like the Irishman, I think he could have done. He could have knocked it out of the park. Oh. Um. Okay, oh. we're going. We're going. Anyway, going, anyway, anyway yes, apologies for all, all my yelling about a movie I haven't seen. I tend to do that a lot, and I have no shame in that. Uh, but we will end this episode now. So if you would like to come chat with us about Oscar nominations, or if you want to yell at me for yelling or anything like that, um, come do that, or any of our really likes, including the Harry Potter films, The Circle, uh, or The Witcher. Also come to with us about those things. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. We're, our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. And you can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And where can they find you guys on the internet? You can find me at htranbui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenden on Twitter. And you can find me at Brendan Gleason for The Irishman on Twitter. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye.